The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello and welcome to the Horn One Podcast. If you're enjoying the show consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus. Ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day. Knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart? Available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Welcome to the One on One Podcast with your host. Juan Ayala. Remember our conversations about the reflective buildings here in Austin and the seeing things at different angles. Like I'm starting to think that like ang- the thing that we think of as angels are just our angles, right? So the, the reason Los Angeles is called Los Angeles is because there's the most angles there. So the, when light hits a particle, it creates one of these right angles, like right, like if there's a junction of, of, of sorts that happens and light hits on it and it sort of sets an array Right. If you understand how to sort of tune into that magic, dependent on the, the the coordinates and the conditions and the particle that may be reflecting, I actually think you can kind of get a peek into a different version of reality that exists right here, but at a different angle. And I think that's why all of the cinemagicians cinema and storytellers wanted to go to Hollywood because they understood that there was the most angles to view reality from there.
It's funny because people are going to see all the other stuff before <laughs> on the Rumble. <laughs> so welcome back. Yeah, and they're going to hear all that other stuff too that you just said too. So welcome back to another episode. I'm here with the one and only Emily Moyer. Before we get started, make sure to follow the show, social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all that stuff at the one on one podcast, tjojp.com. Make sure to get your copy of the homunculus owner's manual. Make sure to get your comic book, Cultus Mundi, all that good stuff. Patreon.com slash the one on one podcast. And enough of that. Emily, what's up? It's good to have you back. Thank you. Always good to be with you, my friend. And maybe today we'll disprove the idea that there's one and only Emily Moyer, right? <laughs> maybe there's like an underground laboratory with endless refrigerators with extra Emily Moyers waiting to be <laughs> put into use. <laughs> did you watch the movie? Did you watch the whole thing? I did watch the whole thing. Um, I did watch it. Uh, I only The only reason I watched it was because... Um, my friend Shane, the uh, Shane Shane Bales or Sidor, whoever he feels like being this week, the Runer, um, he and I were having a private conversation, and he was um, uh, kind of going through his frustration uh, with me about how people feel. You and I were talking about this just a second ago in regards to lightning versus directed energy weapons. How like so many people who are supposedly enlightening or like hip to the the, the nonsense here still fall for like, you know, all the chicken feed um, and how people were really hot on this. Jamie Foxx has been cloned thing. And he was like, you know, like it's basically a promotional tactic for the new movie. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know he had a new movie. So I went and watched the movie and I, the movie, I thought the movie was really good. I'm not even a person that likes movies. Me too. Right? Oh, but you hear that thunder? That's a directed yeah, ener- directed direct energy, energy weapon, weapon right there. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so, but I have to be honest with you. I think So I think what's going on here is that Jamie Foxx has a contract with Netflix to do a certain number of movies. And I've watched, I think, all three of the movies he's done with Netflix so far. Uh, not realizing, as I watched each one of them until this time, that, oh, these seem to be uh, like he must have a contract with Netflix because these are all Netflix movies and that they're actually kind of connected and that the, they're actually like they're they're laying down big, big nuggets for sure. And oh, yeah. they're doing it in, in a really sort of comical, easy to dismiss kind of way. But the three movies, and I thought we could talk about this a little bit. There's a couple things we could talk about, whatever you want. But uh, This relates to the, the, to the Netflix dimensions that we've... The Netflix dimension. We talked about that last yeah. time. So the first movie was called Project Power. And the next movie uh, was called Day Shift. And then there's this one, right? And so I think, they, I think he's been putting out like either one a year or one every other year or something like that. I don't know. Time is hard to keep track of. Um, but like there there's um so like i have i'm of many minds about a lot of things but like one of the things that i like to do is sort of like wander off into this self-indulgent universe where like i'm the center of everything and like everything exists because somehow i'm like generating this you know experience that then everybody else participates in but i also like to back up from that 
and um, just observe that like I'm just a sand on the beach of everything, you know, one, one grain of sand on the beach of everything happening, right? I like to sort of play with both perceptions of reality and I don't enforce any of my indulgent um, fantasies on anybody else in terms of saying that I think that they need to believe whatever nonsense I'm spouting, right? I'm just doing me search and trying to entertain a few people if I can. Um, but each one of these movies pertains directly to experiences that I've talked about having had over periods of time, right? Long before any of these movies came out, I've talked about experiences that I've had that these seem to be um, sort of Mm, re either responding to or sort of putting on display in a way that is sort of like humorously tongue-in-cheek at me, right? If I step into that, the world revolves around me kind of thing. If I step back from that, it's just like, no, my observation was right. The thing that I said was happening is actually happening and they're, you know, they're, they're sort of sliding it in there, sliding it out in like the most cartoonish, clownish way possible. Right. Um, but I'd say that these are dropping more serious nuggets than a lot of the things that we're supposed to take seriously, like documentaries or like Oppenheimer or something like that. Right. Um, these are not like fine cinematic works of art. Right. These are like kind of goofy. Um, but I think what's being laid down there is actually um, there's more to be enlightened by than, than in some of the more serious pieces of work. No, and when you talk about it being goofy, because some people would call me a goofy on this show, and and that's part, in my opinion, of the alchemical process, right? The laughter is important, and what a better way than to than to break up the serious with some comedy, right? Like there, there's something about that, and I've had people comment on that about my show. Well, they'll be like, well, you know, I'm in the flow. You're talking about heavy stuff and then you drop a dick joke and it just, it makes me laugh and it kind of, you know, puts me back into like, so it, it's weird, right? It's kind of hard to explain, but I do believe that's part of it. And there, I've seen these conspiracies before, like, cause I, I really like the idea of the Netflix dimensions and what if they are, it's a sort of like a microcosm to them where they're able to manipulate things. And, and where are you going with the whole, are you, are you getting into the realm of like, Hey, they made that movie based off me. Are you doing that? Cause I've talked about that before. <laughs> this is what I like. So like, I, like I can, I can like relax into one iteration of myself where I'm like, Oh, look at that shit. Right. They're like playing a game back with back and forth with me. They're like, yeah, we took your story and we did this with it and whatever. Right. Or there's the other version that is just like, nah, I'm just like a normal person, but my observation of what is going on is correct. Mm -hmm. And so probably somebody else had the observation too. And the movie is sort of about their observation rather than my experience. Right. Have you seen um, the newest black mirror? Speaking I've never of... watched any black mirror. My goodness. Emily. Oh, <laughs> it, well, it doesn't matter in which order with my tennis watching. Well, there's too many of them. I watched that show. I really enjoyed that Netflix it. show. The one that I had texted you about. What was it? Final point or something like that. I forgot what it was. Anyways, I watched that. And oh, but, oh, that point. Yeah. Break point. Break point. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Now, Black Mirror, you need to watch even to, 
after this episode, you jump on and you watch the first episode of the newest season. And you're you're talking exactly about what's going on in that particular episode. Ah, so it's we it's weird, okay? So just watch it and you're gonna you're you're gonna be blown away. You're gonna you're gonna call me and you're like, what in the heck? So watch that. But the idea I've 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 heard about the going back, the conspiracy that Disney, all their movies are interconnected. And as soon as I said that, another direct energy weapon hit there in the back. So <laughs> The idea that it's like a, it's a universe, right? Like the DC universe, Marvel universe. And there's something about that. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because in alchemy, right? The philosopher's stone is looked at as a sort of microcosm, a small miniature universe. (laughs) And we know that in order for you to achieve the, the magnum opus, you need, right? You achieve the philosopher's stone. So what a better way than for them to out alchemize, right? their movies and charge them alchemically with all this symbol with all this hermeticism and all these different things that they put in it because it's all symbology right and they connect them subtly because i've seen the the conspiracy of like i think it was what's the frozen one elsa or something where the ship went down and it was supposed to be supposedly connected to tarzan or the little mermaid or something i'm sure people know what i'm talking about if you've seen the meme and it's like okay and now you're mentioning that all these movies they're dropping major nuggets because, I mean, <laughs> they clone Tyrone. I, I don't even know what to say. And, and by the way, it's two hours and two minutes long, so 22 there. And, yeah, I, w- I was blown away by all the stuff that they dropped in it. But, hey, it's just a movie. It's just comedy. It's just fantasy. It's just nothing to see here. Let's just laugh it off and just keep on rolling, right? It's like. What are they prepping us for? And mind you, Emily, this is all on the heels of all the artificial embryos and all this news that they were coming out with the ethics of these artificial, like, are these people going to have, are they going to have to pay taxes? Are they going to be, are they going to have souls? (laughs) Wouldn't that suck if they didn't have to, but we're right. (laughs) I mean, but who, who, right. Who are we to determine? Like, is that a, is that a real person? I mean, no man, no woman. What are you? <laughs> when you so first of all, I you are uh, I, I for you. I, well, not for you, but because you're asking me to, I will watch the Black Mirror episode. There's there's actually a more specific reason I've never watched Black Mirror, and that's because for many years now, like I think Black Mirror started even like before. Like I think it was started when I was still doing. I'll tell you right now when it started, right. But I cannot tell you how many times people, ha- I've told a story to someone or whatever, and someone is like, there's a Black Mirror episode about that, right? And so it kind of like keeps me from like, <laughs> it, it, like my separate stream, right? Like I haven't watched it. Like I'm very cautious to make sure that the, the stories I'm telling are my own and not like confused with somebody else's. There's nothing new under the sun. I mean, it's 2011, by the way. So, right. So I was still doing drugs. So it was, that was when I remember first hearing about it. So this is okay. So you want, you want to, want to trip into the, the, the self-indulgent mind of Emily Moyer and all the things that could be going on. Right. Okay. So that those years, like 2011, 2012, were the craziest years for me. I was living in an apartment in downtown Los Angeles. It happened to be the building where they 
filmed like the underground base in they live that they were controlling the the world from right <laughs> and i didn't know like the first night i lived what in that okay did you ever see they live no but just that yeah. concept alone I, I think is that isn't that like a zombie movie or something or like a no, reptilian it's movie like everybody it's like uh rocky Roddy piper or whatever gets these glasses that can make him see that like some of the people are not people Right. Yeah, like and, some lizard stuff. They live 1988. Yes, and there's like this frequency that is making them look like people to almost to most people, but right, like that whole thing. Okay, so this is the fuck. This is this is the kind of thing that makes me really wonder what the fuck is going on. So I moved into uh, this apartment building in downtown Los Angeles called Lofts at the Security Building in I think January or February of 2011. And these apartments are, they used to be bank vaults, right? And all these buildings downtown are connected by underground tunnels because the idea was that like, this is the former banking and theater district in downtown LA back like in the old days. And that they would take all the money from everything at the end of the day through these underground tunnels and put them in the vaults that were in this building, right? So cool. This is a cool building. I moved in there. For some reason, I have no idea what led me to do this, but the first night I lived in that apartment building, I decided to watch the movie They Live, which I had heard of for years, but never watched. I'm fucking watching the movie, and as I'm watching the movie, the scene where Roddy Piper is fighting with the other guy to put the glasses on and see what's going on, I realize that's the fucking alley that I just moved my shit in the moving van from into the building that night. And basically... Like there's a frequency that's being generated from a radio station downtown that is right across the street from the building I've just moved in, uh, move into. And like the meeting where like the lizard people or the whatever new world order people they're having is in the basement of what this building actually is. So that was my first night living downtown. Right. And, you know, I had probably the most condensed crazy experiences of my life for two years while I was living there. And then suddenly when I moved in 2013, I felt like I had to get out of there quickly. Like I felt if I did not leave from there soon, something bad was going to happen. I couldn't tell you what it was at the time, but it was like suddenly I needed to get out of there and everything kept trying to like, I couldn't get out, right? Like everything kept happening that made me unable to leave this place. And I finally did. Like it took me like a week longer than it should have to move out of there and whatever. And like a week or two after I moved out, Elisa, the thing with Elisa Lamb happened literally like, like, a few hundred yards from my apartment building is the Hotel Cecil where they found her body in the water tank on top. But she went missing a few weeks after I disappeared. And people were drinking that water. Right. But she went missing a few weeks. And I've done several shows on this. She went, Some shows with Nish and some shows with Chris and Sheree Geo on this. Right. She, like, she went missing and she was missing for a couple of weeks. And then they found her on the, the in, the, in the, the tank on the roof. And there was all the weird stuff with like, there were movies that had this plot and how mm-hmm. at the same time there was a tuberculosis outbreak on Skid Row, which was just around the corner. And the test for tuberculosis is called Lamalisa test, right? There was all those weird things. But the weirdest thing for me was that the last place she was seen alive or, or the last place she visited was the last bookstore, which was right catty corner from my apartment. And I always told people that if the world ended, I wanted to be at the last bookstore because if if something happened where I was stuck where I was, like the books in there, like I'd be able to figure out everything I needed to know from the books in there because I have a good book collection, right? It also has that very portally feel. That was the last place she visited. 
And when I went looking at like her Tumblr account and different things she had been doing in the weeks leading up to her disappearance, her, the things she saved on Tumblr and other things she had were very similar to the things that I was saving on this other website called DeviantArt. It's almost like we were playing the same game or looking at the same clues in those same weeks. And hers ended on the top of the Hotel Cecil right around the corner from my old apartment building, right? And I seemed to barely escape downtown LA with my life was what it felt like, right? Um, so the, this was the period of time I was living downtown and it wasn't the only years I was doing drugs, but it was probably the weirdest, deepest, darkest years. And, you know, sometimes I would find myself hanging around with, you know, people um, at different ha places where I went to get drugs or do drugs. And I would be talking about the shit you and I are talking about because I've been into this for a long time, right? And I would be talking about my observations, telling my stories. And I don't really know who the other people, like I would be at specific friends' houses, right? Or places that they told me to come to or whatever. And I knew some of the people, but I don't know who the other people were. And who fucking knows where people get ideas from for these, you know, shows and stories and whatever. Like sitting around with a bunch of people who are a little whacked out and seeing into other dimensions is probably a good place to get plots and storylines <laughs> for shows. But also like we're, you know, for a long time now dealing with different kinds of surveillance that we don't understand. You've got, you, I was listening to, to your show, your recent show with Thomas and Donut, the homunculi, mind control, moonchild kind of thing. And, you know, I resemble those remarks on, on a lot of levels. Um, but you were talking about the data collection and the, all that stuff. What are they doing with it? And we think of it as like the people who are naive think of it, oh, they're just marketing to you. And the people who are conspiratorial <laughs> is like, they're building a dossier on you so they can send you to the FEMA camp. Right? Meanwhile, your virtual homunculus is just like breaking it down and like this other astral realm just doing shit, just doing backflips. <laughs> you got it, right? I was also going to parties a lot. I was going to raves and this plays into some of the things that I might say today. I was going to like underground warehouse parties, but some of it is probably just collecting information that it might be being sold to Netflix, right? Like all that data. And then they have an algorithm that goes through and pulls out the things that Emily, are going to, yeah. Watch the first episode. You're, you're like, hitting. <laughs> <laughs> you keep hitting on like the concept of the entire thing. Where it's going to blow your mind. I'm telling you. And it's weird because how you're saying these ideas, like what if, what even is an idea? And when you get an idea, like, oh, you know, where did, where did, where did it even come from? And it's like, could you potentially implant ideas? Like, you know, we get into this whole round with a clone time. Can you implant ideas? Can you, because if you can implant ideas, then you could, you'd be able to implant memories essentially, because yeah. ideas and memories are kind of sort of the same. They're things that you remember and then ideas kind of just show up almost like if you're Plato, you're remembering these things again, right? Yeah. You just need to tap into that frequency. And it's it's funny because whenever we see like uh, like uh, an invention, uh, uh, an invention or something, <laughs> an invention or something that you see and you go, well, I could have thought about that. Well, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, but you didn't, right? Like the, the, the concept of Uber or the concept of, of whatever, right? It's like, in hindsight, it's it sounds simple and it looks simple, but why don't you think of it before 
that one guy thought of it, right? So again, but yeah, you need to watch. You're hitting on these points of this idea of where is our data going? We know they've been fined billions of dollars. Bill, they're probably suing themselves. We know this, right? <laughs> right. The 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 three letter agency has investigated the three letter agency and they have concluded that they have done nothing wrong. So it's like okay, whatever. It's just a, it's just a show because the world's a stage, right? Essentially, is what it is. A hundred percent, right? So the there's a DJing style or like a music style called found sound. Have you ever heard of this? No. It's like, the, it can be a variety of different things, but sometimes it's just like uh, noises or um, like little bits of people talking that you can pick up like on a scanner. And then they use that, they sample that or those noises and use them to create music, right? But why, if they're doing that for music, well, why wouldn't they, they be doing that for, for other things as well, right? So, you know, maybe, you know, like there's so many possibilities of what could be going on and why and who, but I think most of it is just like different people, factions, agencies, intelligences. You said found, things. like find, found yeah, sound? Found, found sound, right? Um, like there's another DJ that was popular in the late nineties called scanner. Right. And, and his DJ sets, he'd use a scanner radio and just like live, like ad lib, you know, he'd let sounds come in that were just whatever was happening on whatever he was tapped into at that time. So I think there's, um, there's lots of things going on. And I think that, you know, we're directed to a few specific interpretations of reality right that they would rather us even even the conspiracy the uh, like subscribing to the most conspiratorial you know puppeteering of the world version of reality like that helps keep a certain group of people in their lane where you always know how to stimulate them how to get them to do certain things and whatever right whereas i think the better way to think about a lot of this stuff is to sort of explore every possible iteration of what could be going on and as I do that, I find myself like less and less interested in the directed energy weapon called the conspiracy community, right? Like think about how much energy is sucked from sucked. Like think about every day, the story, think about how much energy, like whoever was thinking about something last week, now they're only thinking about the fires in Maui. What happened to the story that they thought was interesting last week? Now, like the YouTube algorithm is saying, watch videos about the Maui fires or create videos about the Maui fires, argue with your neighbor about whether it's directed energy weapon or arson and if or it lightning. Directed, all that shit, right? <laughs> Ever hear like, of lightning, like that natural thing that happens? <laughs> right. God's directed energy weapon, right? Um, so, you know, I, I think that there's many things going on, but I also think that like we're living in some kind of system that even in its most sort of natural form or what we understand as na nature is listening all the time, is responding all the time, is interacting back with us all the time. And so like, you know, it, it, it's become more mechanized and technological and commodified and branded as we've progressed through this delusion we're in called linear time, right? But I don't, I think we've always had a system like if you ever do you ever listen to look out for charlie no okay like he like he, listening to his stuff is fascinating and people who go listen to him it takes them like two or three years of listening to him 
to understand what he's really saying because they people always want to go to like the most conspiratorial they're doing something to us version of things and he has kind of a a wide view of a lot of things but he thinks that we're living in this like frequency sort of sound surveillance weapon kind of environment that isn't directed it's just more general it's overall but even that mimics something that is true about nature in terms of the way that like sound interacts and responds to the things in its environment and whatnot, right? It really takes a while of listening to what he's talking about to get what he's saying, but he's brilliant in the way he's sort of taken apart um, the way that they're trying to direct us to understand, quote, frequency weapons, right? Um, he's a sound guy, right? And he's mm -hmm. able, and he, his his view on like this stuff to me is like, I think he's the most interesting. What was his name again? Look out for Charlie. I've had him on my show a couple of times. Oh, I thought, I thought it was like a band or something. I'll check them out. He's a musician too. He is a musician. The idea of, I'm just coming up with titles here as we go along, this algorithmic entrapment, right? Because it, it's, I never really thought about it that way, how you're saying that they only reveal to us certain aspects of what's going on. And then it's funny because whenever a friend of mine or I have a video that, breaks through the algorithm right it went viral or it got more views than it would have it should have gotten right because we're all we're all shadow banned around here well we think of it like oh the the out right the algorithm let it through almost like if there's these algorithmic daemons that are the, the gatekeepers or whatever you can see and if you think about it how you're saying with youtube it's only presenting you like the same stuff over and over again and like I noticed that my YouTube has been pretty dry lately, and I and I'm I'm not I'm not currently looking into anything in particular right now. I'm just like hanging out, just writing a few episodes to just to put out some content, interesting stuff to me. I'm not like deep into like anything right now, and my YouTube's been kind of dry. But it's like it's only gonna it's show terrible. it's gonna show me just that like whatever the the, the and if you think about it. That's a sort of that's divination, really, if you think about it, because you're accepting what this in, you know, unintelligible thing that you don't understand what it is. It's presenting to you choices like, hey, do you want to see this? Right. Do you what would you and a lot of the stuff on my YouTube isn't even stuff that I'm that interested in. So I don't even I know the weirdest shit ever suggested to me. Right? <laughs> like doesn't make sense based on other things I've looked at. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. Have you okay? So, so first of all, like, well, YouTube is a directed energy weapon. It's telling people where to direct their energy, and they're yes. using it against them with a weapon, right? Mm -hmm. So, right. So, and especially when it comes to like talk about things like the Maui fires, right? Like, it's well, Emily, generating a lot too. You touched on something that I've talked about before. Where, for example, like the whole Titan thing, where what if we imploded it? What if us collectively focus that directed energy weapon, right? We all collectively focused in on that one point somewhere in the ocean at the bottom of it, and we imploded like our everyone all at once. What what does that do? Right? You're you're living you were living in this building where they shot this movie that was it was the movie popular at all? I mean, the idea of everyone's focus and and, and intention all focusing on that movie or whatever it is, insert Insert your podcast here, your content creations. 
Because when we make content, I think you and I have talked about it before, you're like synchronistically charged, like you're alchemically charged and, and weird things start to happen. And I, and I love it because my wife doesn't believe in any of this shit. And then whenever we have a synchronicity happens where it's her and I and she knows I keep my mouth shut when it happens, but she knows I know. And it's funny because we went to this resort. We went to this resort the other day and we're checking in at the guy at the front, whatever, da, da, da. And then this random guy's waiting for Right. We had just pulled up to the guard. We're checking in and there's a guy waiting. He was waiting for us to be done. So we got checked in. And as we're driving away, I hadn't put the, the window of my truck yet. The guy goes, yeah, they had given me five, 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 three, five. Well, five, five, three, five is one of our neighbors that she knows who they are. <laughs> and as soon as I heard the guy say, I was like, that guy could have said any other numbers. I've never seen that guy in my life. He could have said any other. We could have been five cars further down the line and we would have never heard that guy say that string of numbers. All right. So it's like, that was a weird synchronicity, right? Like that, that was a synchronicity, but I didn't acknowledge it. And she looked over at me like, and I, and I just went, <laughs> it is i was like it is what it is i mean that guy could have said any string of numbers and he chose to say those and he, she's familiar because sometimes our packages for amazon get mixed up so it's like oh this is meant for whatever number and then they'll go over to the to the neighbor so i'm sh- she knows that number i was like wow that that number is familiar so like those things and i mean the synchronicities they keep lining up but the idea of we're putting out our, you know, this is on YouTube. This is on the RSS feed. This is on the interwebs. This is the yep. world is, is watching and listening in on us. Like, what does that do when they focus their attention in on us for an hour, hour and a half, however long it is, does that charge us? Does that, you know what I'm saying? Like that, how you're saying that direct, I love that directed energy weapon and it's your, your attention <laughs> for your yeah. data. Love that. Yeah. I mean, what you were saying earlier about, you said something earlier that was interesting. You were talking about, you said something about Uber, right? Like, I think that a lot of these, um, particularly these app-based technologies that are becoming integrated in our life, that they're really all about like alignment. They're about making sure things arrive at the same place at the same time or that like, right? Whether it be a package that you can pick up in the storage room or whether it be your ride, or whatever, right? And, and like, sure, there's an interpretation of it that's like, well, just that just makes sense and whatever. But there's other interpretations of it that that can get pretty weird and conspiratorial. But I think a lot of it really is about crowdsourcing. They they're they're crowdsourcing, trying to get answers to problems that they haven't solved yet. If you've ever watched um, the OA, like in season two the guy in that show who was like responsible for having created kind of an Uber like um, technology also created this, this game that all these kids are involved in playing that draw them to San Francisco to try and find like some weird interdimensional location and to, to solve certain puzzles and the theoretical prize is some money they win if when if they do which is you know probably a lot of money to them but in the scheme of things not a lot of money for someone who's going to turn the solution that they come up with into a multi-billion dollar app-based technology but they don't understand that that's why they're playing this they think they're just trying to win the money right um you know and then once the, he finds the person that can solve the problem 
well, now he's also found a brilliant mind and he wants to keep that mind for himself, right? And it's kind of an interesting aspect of the story. There's lots of interesting things in OA. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, that I've noticed is my uh, Uber rides are becoming increasingly curated, right? So, and just to, for like, to, to lean into what you're saying here, right? Like I've put a lot of content out on various platforms on the internet and all of them on some level, right, are app-based, whether you're using Patreon or Locals or Rockfin or YouTube or Rumble or all of these kinds of things. It's a lot of, of information going into a portal to a certain extent, right? And one of the things that I do, right, is I share my experiences and my thoughts and observations about them. And uh, I think I have a reasonably unique and colorful way of, of talking about my daily occurrences that make them maybe a little bit more interesting or entertaining for people to listen to than they would think the average person's is. And part of it is just that I'm very observant. Like I pay attention to very small details when seemingly, seemingly normal things are happening to me, right? Like when something like out of the realm of normal happens, I'm attentive right away. And then I, the, the sort of mystery starts to unfold of, of like the, the stranger version of what's actually going on. And then I come back and I talk about it and I sort of build a little bit of a mystery around that. I, my grandmother was a great storyteller. Like she could make up a story about our trip to the local diner and back that made it sound like a children's adventure kind of thing or whatever. My mom was also really good at this. They're not related. It's my grandmother from my dad's side, my mom, but I come from storytellers and I think I've become a reasonable storyteller myself, at least in my own unique way. I think at a certain point, something that is, that is involved in organizing the intelligence of the algorithms that Uber is based on has recognized that I often on shows talk about things that happen to me when I go on specific kinds of outings, right? So when I talk about it on the show, it's usually the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year. Sometimes I'm telling stories of something that happened 10 or 20 years ago or whatever, but I have like a, 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 an ability to like pay attention to very fine details and then zone in on them and kind of expand them and maybe even make more of them than they actually are, but always connected to something that is actually there. So now it seems like whenever I go out and have an interesting experience, I'm also confronted with an interesting Uber driver that is seemingly quite interested in the experience that I've just had and willing to engage me in a conversation that goes really pretty far down the rabbit hole. Mind you, like up until a certain point recently, I was getting the same, you know, just whatever guy with a mask who doesn't talk to you barely and whatnot. And then like all of a sudden I was getting this weird scenario where the drivers that were being sent to me, right? Whether I ordered them or a friend I was with ordered them, like not only were interested in hearing about whatever experience I was having, but seemed to also like synchronistically tack on to to whatever that was, right? And I've talked about some of this in some of my shows. Like, you know, I had this weird experience with an Uber driver who picked me up from a party and he, it was like getting the Uber was weird. Like it, Uber kept canceling my ride and canceling my ride. And then there was this huge number of people outside all trying to get Ubers, right? And finally one connected and this Uber just comes 
swooping through all these other people who can't find their Ubers because there's so many cars in the street and whatever. And he's like, Emily, I'm here to pick you up. <laughs> right? So I'm like, whatever, dude. I get in the car. And he asks me to explain to him what these parties are about. Because I've been to a warehouse party in LA. Because he doesn't understand them. But he says that he seems to find himself every once in a while picking someone up who's been at one of these things. And he's like, what is it? Like a moving party that moves around a different place every week. And I was like, no. And I was kind of explaining it to him. And he was explaining to me why he didn't understand it. And I was able to, but he had told me he liked disco music. He used to go to the discos, like when he first moved to the United States in the eighties or something. Right. So I was able to come up with like an explanation based on the things that he had told me about himself and what I know about dance music and whatever that made him able to understand it. Right. And then afterwards, right when we're pulling up to my house, he's like, I want to play you the song that was my favorite song when I used to go to the discos, okay? And he played this song, and it was like one of the last tracks I heard before I left the party was like some weird vocal sample remix of this fucking song, right? And I had never heard this song before, right? And it was called Living on Screen or Living on Screens. It was by like... um living on screen uh living on screen this it, it's uh the, what was the name of that song honey it was like by x something or other i can't think of it living on i can't think of the the name of it right now there's a show that i did with uh there's a couple of shows i did where i talked about it and i've lost you hold on a second i i, I opened a a window and now i can't find my way back to stream <laughs> hold on a second follow the sound <laughs> of my voice emily Right? I have to find my way. I'm lost in the underwear drawer of my tabs. Here we are. Okay. <laughs> so I can't, it was like, it was called like living on screen or something like that. It's by like X something or other, Laura. If you can find that, for that the name of that song and, and the artist for me. Okay, she can't. <laughs> X, X Factor? It's called like living on screen or I can't remember what it is. Right? But if I listened, if, if, if you listened to the lyrics of the song, it literally talked about the experience that I had been having all night long, right? And so I was just like, what the fuck? I enjoy stuff like that. It doesn't freak me out. But like the odds that that, I, mm -hmm. that, that, that would happen, because it's not like it's a new song or a popular song now, or it was a pretty weird like techno remix. Of, what are the fucking odds on that? That has to be some sort of algorithmic alignment of like some, you know, I don't understand what it is, but this is like very tiny details about the frequency of our reality and the way things get recorded in our visual and auditory. And like, I, we don't understand how all this mechanics work in our, in our mind and brain and whatnot. Right. So it's like, what are the fucking odds of that? Right. Then the next time I go to a party in LA, someone else calls the fucking Uber. I did, it wasn't ordered on my phone. But like the per there had been a reality in my head that I had been considering in the week prior that really came to some kind of crescendo it, while I was at the party in terms of what I was thinking about. And then I ended up getting into this conversation with this driver, right? Where like basically he couldn't have known what I was thinking about. And he starts to explain this experience he had in his life that is like exactly the thing that I had been thinking about, right? So I don't think there's anything evil going on here like I quite enjoyed the experiences but there is a level of alignment and curation going on in our reality that indicates that we are living in something different 
than what we think we're living in, regardless of what you think about whether the reality is completely organic or created or there's an evil person running it or God running it or whatever it is. We are living in something that is far more fine-tuned and interactive than, than any of us have appreciated to this point. So you touched on something important because you said time and location. And I'm just thinking of like mystical toponymy and how that's uh -huh. correlated with time, location, the timing of events, the location of the event. And the idea of I've, I'm going to be doing an episode whenever it comes out on this about the idea of cartographers as magicians and the idea that when John D helped create the longitude and latitude system, as we know it, it was a magical grid because you're talking about the disco. Well, I think one of the most played songs is the disco hell or something like that. And, it, and if you think of that grid pattern, disco like, Inferno? Di so, yeah, I think Donut had told me about it because we had done an episode on it related to Enochian and the tablets and the idea of like the Cartesian coordinate system being this grid and being used as a sort of manifestation device, you know, that whole thing there. I think that there's something to that. But the idea that so was it, it, it wasn't Uber Eats, right? It was Uber, like the one that that drive you around. The regular old Uber, the first one. And the second one was my friend called Lyft. OK, I've, I don't think I've ever I want to say I've never taken an Uber, but maybe one. Maybe I took an Uber once, like probably like eight years ago, like when it first was like coming out or whatever. So I've never had, cause I don't, <laughs> sometimes you just want to chill out. Right. But to, to tie this in and, and like not talk to the driver and stuff, cause some people want to have small, I hate, I'm not good at small talk. Like I hate small talk. So people at the store are like, Hey, how are you? And I try not to be rude. So like I'll right. converse back, but I don't do small talk. Okay. I'm more of like, Hey, Alchemically made homunculus are, are are used for magical purposes. That type of, you know, like you can't talk about that with just anybody. So it's like you got to keep it to yourself. But the uh, let's tie this into <laughs> let's tie, let's tie this into they clone Tyrone because right, what if because we're we're talking about like this simulation whether it's organic or it's fabricated whatever who knows right maybe it is sentient to some certain extent because. A lot of these synchronicities, for me at least, they're mathematical in nature. They're, it's numerical in nature, and numbers hold a value, right? Gematria, the Pythagoreans, yep. and all this stuff. But the idea that maybe perhaps, and I know this is a touchy subject for some people, but that there are some people in this simulation or reality. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. You saw that, right? Yep. The idea that some people are NPCs and here for texture and here for interactions, if you will, maybe to test you like that, like, you know, like these, like the, like the, the old guy outside the, was it the corner store or whatever it was? Every time he would drop a hint at the, the main character, I forget his name now, but they would drop a hint at the main character and, and all, all the whole time he was an NPC essentially. And then at the end of the movie, you see him in L.A. or the West Coast, whatever it is, but just like a different version, a diff different ethnicity or whatever. And it was the same character, same concept, but you knew he was there as part. He wasn't an Agent Smith, but he was one of the, the background players, the background people. And the idea of an NPC would insinuate that some people 
and we know that this is a study some people don't have an inner monologue now is that is that indicative that you don't have a consciousness i don't i wouldn't say but if anything i think that there would be people walking around as homunculus like artificially created peoples like and not artificially alchemically created but maybe created for one purpose or like like let's use the elites the present the presence which we know they have a bloodline that links them all the way back to, I think, the guy who wrote the Magna Carta or something crazy like that. We know that. So the idea that they would be breeding in that same lineage to serve that purpose of just being the next president, therefore a sort of a homunculus vessel, I think there's, I think that possibility is more, uh, right, Occam's razor versus the whole, like, oh, there's soulless people walking around. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, am I making any yeah. sense? I think that there's yeah. more homunculus walking around versus like NPCs who have no consciousness and are just empty people here for texture. Like, no, right. Trump was born and he was born just to be the billionaire of that company by X family for X amount of time. And that lineage is going to continue that because they're all bred for that one specific reason. So again, you, you just triggered me because all these guys are interacting with you. And it's like, to a certain extent of like, They'll drop a, a, a little nugget of like to, to pique your interest, just enough to pique your interest. And then by the time the ride's done, you know, you've already moved on and the guy's already left. So it's like you never you probably never see him again, you know. So a couple of things. So and then we can talk about they clone Tyrone for sure. But with the Uber drivers, like what I was going to say about what I think is happening is that something in the system figured out that I recount my experiences in great detail, but it would be really interesting if we could get me to recount my experience immediately after it happened, like get the immediate intelligence report or the immediate download right when I'm fresh from the experience, right? And, and in some ways, like, you know, this accomplishes that, right? Because I'm fresh from the experience. I haven't, you know, had time to really think about it yet or forgotten anything, I haven't been to sleep yet, which sort of, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? So there's a million ways to interpret this. The way you said is one, the other is like, you know, we know for sure, because it even says on your phone, that like some of the Ubers you get in, like they're recording your experience in the car there. So this goes back to what we were talking about, about found sound or, right? Like, you know, if somebody has figured out that like, hey, Emily is a reasonably good storyteller and she's like an unpaid part of the writing team at Black Mirror, let's get her to drop her intelligence right when it's fresh in her mind, right? So we can get to work on it right away and have the episode <laughs> out even before she's told anyone but the Uber driver about what happened, right? Whoa, <laughs> yeah. Like... I'm kidding, but I'm not. Both things are true. Like mm. I can listen to myself and go, that sounds fucking delusional and insane, right? And then also, as we've already had a couple times in this conversation, it's also true, right? Mm -hmm. I don't care if anyone else believes it. I think where we get into like the realm of like insanity is where like you're trying to enforce your interpretation of your reality and your experiences on other people and get them to co-sign on the fact that that is, you know, like the meaningful interpretation of reality, right? I'm just like having, having my experiences here, but I've had enough of these to know how to pay attention when it's happening right? How to notice like what the similar factors are when something strange is afoot, because I do think there are some of these like faded moments, almost like you're talking about. There's these crosshairs. The coordinates are not just about 
longitude and latitude. They're about space. They're about time. They're about, they're all kind. they're omnidirectional. They're hyperspace based. There's all kinds of stuff going on. I think there's a completely different interpretation of Jesus on the cross that could be had when you start to understand the angles that are created by such crosshairs or coordinates coming together. And I think then we're getting into um, uh, light angle dimensions and all kinds of stuff that, that, that takes us into a completely different conversation. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one way to see reality. And quite frankly, I'm bored with the many like versions that they've given us to like, that these are acceptable to subscribe to or not. So at this point, I'm just like, anything that occurs to me, I'm sort of pursuing that line of questioning or storytelling until it either says dead end or it takes me to like a more meaningful piece of evidence from which to, to catapult my next iteration of nonsense from, right? Um, and, 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 and I'm honest about that. I'm doing it. So I feel free to sort of swim about in this information pool that I'm creating that way. Um, they clone Tyrone, right? Um, so have you seen either of those other Jamie Foxx movies? Yeah, so real quick to touch on what you just said. I think, right, doing, would you call it like intuitive research where you just follow your, like your your gut feeling? Like, you you know, you don't, I don't have a set agenda, but I like this topic, so therefore I research it. Because I think that's how I do it. And sometimes people hit me up like, how do you come up with so many, like so many cool topics and i go there's no secret it's just like research whatever you think is cool and then just and in the way you like like i have yeah. a, unique, a few unique research methods that 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 for me yield better results than traditional research methods do for people who are research-based mm-hmm. content creators right mm-hmm. i've done that like i used to really do the more traditional style of research and then i started making the psychic jump in terms of like following my intuition yeah. and being yeah. okay with like if I, if I, if there's a link that's missing between two ideas that I have, like skipping over that for now, pursuing the, the part pursuing it. And, and then the, the backspace fills in like the, the piece that will make those things connect ends up showing up later and just saying like, Hey, I'm just kind of making this up as I go. I'm not saying that this is for sure or what happened or what's happening. Free association and intuitive sort of like personal divination, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Like having your own sort of dowsing method for how you grant importance to certain types of information or experiences or combinations of things or whatever. And just say like, this is how I do it, right? Like freeing yourself of the responsibility that of presenting the, the absolute truth and just going like, this is the way I see it. This is where my thoughts have led me yeah. frees other people to do the same. And the, the results start to become much more interesting than like the three or four permitted realities that they try and get each <laughs> one of us to subscribe to. Right. Yeah. And I feel you on that. And that's, I think it's not a secret, but it, it makes, because when you're passionate about what you're talking about, it, it, makes it more enjoyable to listen to. So I think that's what people enjoy as you're passionate. And it goes back to that whole comedic aspect and comedic relief while working in, in these knee high waters of darkness. Right. And, and it's just like, it makes yeah. the time more bearable and passes. Cause you, you know, when you listen to something that you really enjoy and that just flies by, cause mm-hmm. like that person made you feel like some sort of way in your time, it quite literally can warp your time and your yep. perception. So no, absolutely. I, I agree with you on that. So I've seen Project Power. Yeah. I've seen They Clone Tyrone. So I typed in Jamie Foxx Netflix movies, The Kingdom. This was 2007. I believe I've seen this. 
I don't think I've seen Day Shift. This is 2022, so it's one of the more recent ones. Yep. Collateral, we're talking about Uber drivers, and <laughs> what a crazy movie that was. This was a great movie, Collateral. Some of the ones from 2007, 2004, they may be showing them on Netflix, but they weren't made as Netflix yes. movies, right? Mm-hmm. So those three, I think his, I think he has a contract at this point making Netflix movies. And I think those are the three that have been first. Now, I recommend you watch the Day Shift one. And then what you were saying earlier, look at them in combination, how one film is connected to the the next film, even though they're seemingly separate stories. And check this out here. Inspired by Fox's real life relationship with his daughter. So dad, stop him. This is another one for Netflix. Stop embarrassing me. And mm-hmm. again, it Project Power 2020. You have due date. This is 2010. But anyways, the, these more recent ones. But this is important because inspired by Fox's real life. Really. So you have a show, a fictional thing, a fictional world intermingled with reality, yep. which is a very important part of the cinemagicians, this alchemical work, magnum opus type of thing where that has a powerful effect. That resonates even deeper because then it's like, how can you distinguish between the two? Because it right. becomes one. It's like the perfect transmutation. It becomes one and it's solidified yeah. there forever. So it blurs the lines, right? Between what we think of as accepted reality and what we think of as like the made up world or the imaginal realm, right? It blurs them in a very specific kind of way. So those three movies in particular, each refer to sort of, for me, experiences that I have had and reported before the movies came out. And, and like the first one I watched was Project Power, which was shot in New Orleans, right? And it's about this drug that becomes popular in New Orleans that gives each person their own unique superpower, right? And there's also like, it, this is sort of, uh, this drug is available um, in sort of like underground environments and secret back rooms and all kinds of people are doing it, not just like your typical street, you know what I mean? There's all kinds of avenues into this. So I had one of the strangest drug experiences of my life in New Orleans in 2000. It had to be 2000. Yeah, early 2000, right? I have never had a drug experience like this anywhere else, okay? And uh, I went to this party that at... Um, uh, it, it was during Mardi Gras week, but it was like a rave that was very popular at the time, right? It was a story rave in New Orleans. I can't think of the name of it right now, but like eventually the person who threw that party, like was outed for working with the intelligence agencies and things like that, right? Um, this many years after this, this thing happened, right? This person uh, still throws parties. Like, it's weird to me that everyone's just like, okay, still going to his parties after like, it is a known thing, right? That he worked with intelligence agencies, but whatever. Okay. So I went to this party and I was there with some friends and, and um, I was like doing meth, right? And then like at a certain point, things started to get really fucking weird. And like, I remember being in, in the hotel room and like seeing like what looked, felt like smoke coming off of the walls and whatnot, right? And just feeling like otherworldly, like not in any way that I had ever felt before. 
on meth or even on any other drug I had ever done, right? And at some point, we decide to leave the hotel. Like, we had been in the hotel for a long time after the rave. We decide to leave the hotel and go, I don't know, like, the person I was with, something was wrong with their car. So we were going to, like, some car dealership to get their car fixed or something like that. And, like, I'm in the car, and I'm sitting in the front seat, and I am watching in the side view mirror of the car a movie of my life. And I am annoyed that my friends haven't told me that they're actors. My friends who are in the car with me haven't told me that they're actors. And also can't figure out why, if we're in a movie, they're wearing their own clothes. Because generally in movies, you have wardrobe and you wouldn't be wearing your normal clothes. And so I'm looking at this movie in the side view mirror because I'm in the front passenger seat. But I'm also looking at the surroundings. And at this point, I've become so confused that I forgot that we weren't in Austin. I'd forgotten we were in New Orleans. So I'm looking around and I'm like, where the fuck are we? This doesn't look like Austin. We must be in Houston, but this doesn't look like Houston either, right? So like, I'm getting kind of weirdly confused. And at a certain point, like I look down and I'm confused because I'm not wearing what I thought I remember I was wearing when we left the hotel. I'm wearing my own clothes, but I guess I had changed at some point and forgotten about it or something. And I'm confused as to why I wasn't in the clothes I thought I should be wearing. And that kind of disturbed me. Um, But at a certain point, we like, I, I, I stopped becoming like responsive in any way that my friends can understand because I'm so deeply into watching this movie go on. Like at no point was I scared or anything like that, but I guess I wasn't acting like myself. So they, my friend pulls into like an urgent care and like takes me inside. She like doesn't know what to do because we're fucking high. So she doesn't really want to be there, but she's like concerned because I'm not talking and like me not talking is a strange occurrence. Right. So she's looking for like any sign that, um, that I'm still myself. And she's asking me all these questions like, what's your name? Where do you live? And I'm like, not really answering. And finally she said, what's your phone number? right and I said a phone number that is like completely not mine like totally different area code or whatever she's like oh fuck (laughs) she's like this is bad and then I realized she's scared and I'm like oh no no no. that's the phone number from my house in Chatsworth and and, right like that which is where I used to live before I had moved to Texas right and I become aware that like she's concerned and suddenly I'm like back and able to communicate with her in some kind of reasonable way Right. And I start to kind of come out of the experience. And so we get back in the car and we go to the car dealership and we get out of the car and we start walking. She's decided that like walking will help me come back to myself quicker or whatever. And as we're walking, I become normal again. And then it starts happening to her. Like she's gone. She doesn't know what's happening. She thinks she's living in a movie. Right. Like it, it was like this like nuts experience. Right. And it felt like it went on for like two days because it was like, it happened to her. And then this other guy who was with us, once we were out of it, then it happened to him. It was like the fucking weirdest thing. And what we finally kind of figured out was that some somehow we got some meth that was cut with K. And meth is an upper and K is a downer. So you won't feel the, the K. K is like a, it's sort of a psychedelic downer kind of thing. Like it definitely... Makes you feel otherworldly. But the it's stuff not... Leary was using? The John Lilly. Or, yeah, John or, Lilly. John Lilly. Yeah. Right? So, not until one started to sort of come down for the meth would they fall into the K hole, right? 
And mm-hmm. so that's why it was happening in this staggered sort of pattern. Um, and then so finally, like eventually this guy who we were with chased down the person that we had gotten it from and she acknowledged that it was cut with K and whatever it was. But it was this like super strange experience where this whole other like version of reality uh, sort of existed, which is a little bit different than what was going on in Project Power. But like I had, ne- I t- before now and before that point and since that point had never had an experience like that where I felt completely removed from like my regular relationship with reality um, in that way, right? Where I like, it was dissociated in a way that I didn't understand. Um, and, but during that period of time, I also accessed certain brain states where like, they didn't know what the fuck that I was talking about, but I was saying things that were real and true and whatever, but like they couldn't understand. Like I wasn't talking about the reality that was in front of them. I was like talking about some other reality, but it wasn't like a delusional untrue reality, what I was talking about. Right. So when I saw this project power, I'm like, Oh, it's super interesting that it's in new Orleans because a lot of the places they were going in that movie. You remember what city in new Orleans? It was in it, New Orleans is a city. It's in Louisiana. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Louisiana. My bad. Right. So, um, you know, that some of the locations, like we, over the course of the few days we were there, we were in underground clubs and back rooms and rundown apartments. Like we were going all over the weird places to get drugs and do things and whatever. Right. I'm like, okay, like New Orleans is a strange place. There's been lots of weird things going on there for hundreds of years. I think at this point, Mm -hmm. maybe this is what goes on there. Like maybe this is some real laboratory for experimental drugs and, you know, different kinds of like, tests that can be run on populations and different groups of people and because so many people go there to party that's like you and thomas and donut were talking about this about how like drug using cultures or or people living in the ghetto or whatever like that's fair game for experimenting on because there's like many other explanations for why they could be having the reported experience they're having other than something strange is going on because they're using drugs because of blah 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 or whatever it is right um, we drove across that bridge during that experience, right? And how long do the effects of of meth do? Is it quick? Is it does it take time? It what? depends on how good it is, right? But like you can be like one of the reasons people like meth is because it's long lasting. So you can do some in the morning and not have to do any again until later in the day or at night or whatever, which is different than a lot of other drugs. So if there's something that is in your system that isn't going to kick in until that part wears off, it becomes really hard to track down the thing that happened that is making you feel the way you do on the other side of it, right? Whereas if you felt something right away after taking something, you know what's causing it. Do you think maybe you, because you gave a, the number that you had given, was it somebody else's or was it actually one of your old numbers? It was my the phone the home the phone home phone number of the house I grew up in? Because I'm just saying, like, what have you either not saying you were possessed, but maybe right? Because we we talk we're talking about empty vessels and how they implant memories and how right, right wine and spirits. Well, you open up yourself. I've heard it put before when people drink, they open themselves up for some sort of possession. And I've I think I don't know if somebody told me about meth being some sort of drug like that where you're opening up yourself up. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but meth is like where people tweak out and they'll take out their whole entire interior of their car. Right. 
And what's going and that's what's going through your mind, like, hey, these people are actors, you're real paranoid and just like or was that the case? I wasn't paranoid. Like I, I've never had that experience on meth before or since. I, mean, I don't do it anymore. I've been clean for eight years, but like I did it for 15 years, right? So there was I wouldn't say I was paranoid. Um, but just to address what you said about possession, I think that's one interpretation of things that can happen when you do drugs or drink or whatever. Mm. But I think another equally valid interpretation, and I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive, is that it just moves you to a different frequency band, a different station on the radio for interpreting reality, right? And so like the things that are happening at that level and layer are different than the ones that are happening at at a different layer. And because the reality you're describing isn't one that sounds like what most people are experiencing it sounds crazy. It sounds demonic. It sounds dark. It sounds, like maybe there's like a meth-based band or a ketamine-based band of reality, right? That like those are the things that inhabit that realm. And that's just where they live. It doesn't make them evil or bad or great, wonderful or whatever. It's just that's what's there. And that's the title people who either haven't visited them but have heard about them or who have visited and it was scary to them reported it as, right? Because it's oftentimes very repeatable, right? I've met people who I have zero in common with. We don't care about the same things. We're not scared of the same things. We have no similar life experiences other than we've both done meth at one point and we've both visited a reality that we can equally describe. So it's kind of like if you went, if you, if let's just say we both went to Thomas's house and let's just say for the sake of discussion, he had like some weird room with like little statues of homunculi or something. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him, but okay. Well, for the sake of the right. conversation. So you, you and I have both been to his house and both been to the room and we have nothing else that we could, no other shared experience in life at all. Other than that, we've both been in the same weird room at Thomas's house. That place has to exist to a certain extent. Right? How could two people with nothing else in common like agree about the same strange set of circumstances when they don't necessarily agree about almost anything else mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like interpretation of things? Right. So I've had enough of these conversations with people over time that I feel like it's like we might hate, we, we might not like the same kind of music, but if we both turn into the same radio station at the same time and they're announcing the song that's being played, we can agree that that's the song being played. You might think it's a great song. I might think it's a stupid song, but we're both hearing the song that's being played because we're tuned into the same frequency. I think that like the real, I think that there's like sort of layers of reality mm-hmm. that are frequency based. And a lot of these experiences sort of de- like, penetrate through the thing the membrane that normally separates them right and this is kind of messed up but just when you're saying about like tapping into other dimensions i was on a a podcast and the guy was like hey bro can you imagine like you know we're talking about like esoteric and occult knowledge and like can you imagine if like the crackheads at 7-eleven had this sort of knowledge he's like some knowledge should not be available to certain people and i'm like yeah, we should probably stop these interdimensional crackheads. Like, can you imagine, like, if <laughs> we're just kind of messed up, but it's like we made it this whole thing on that episode of stopping the interdimensional crackheads and we have to protect our 7-Elevens and our, and our gas stations. Because you, can you imagine, like, <laughs> teleporting crack? <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, if you listen, like, do you ever watch the show Intervention? Yeah, the one on TLC, I think it was. It's been on several different stations, yeah. right? 
So I used to watch this show. I used to love to watch it when I was high. <laughs> right? But I haven't watched it in years. But, like, Laura and I were trying to take a break from shows that are, like, hard to understand. So we, like, went through this phase where we were watching, like, hoarders and intervention and shit. Just, like, binging on, like, shit that's easy to understand. Right? So we were watching it. And, like, I'm listening to these people talk. And, like, they're definitely fucked up. And they definitely were having some experiences that were similar to experiences I was having in terms of like family being pissed off, not being able to hold a job or be responsible or tell the truth or whatever. But the shit that they're talking about when they're high and paranoid, you understood not it. Anything, no, it's not anything like what I thought about when I was in that condition. But the fact that like so many people exist that act in ways that are quote crazy when under this condition provide like perfect cover for dismissing other things reported by people who like, despite the fact that they're on these things are of sound mind in all of the other years that I have done drugs, I've never had another experience where like, I felt like out of touch with like my general home reality, right? Like I've done tons and tons of drugs. Sometimes I would be up for fucking weeks on end. And sometimes like, I wish I could disassociate for the reality. It's like, when is this shit going to fucking stop? Like, I'm just like tired of being so aware of everything that's going on and, 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 and whatever. But I don't know what that is. Like I would watch other people, right. Who, who would go crazy on drugs. And I could certainly feel that like that could happen to me, but there was some part of me that like, always seemed to know with the exception of that one experience what was going on and when it was time for me to go home when if I continued down whatever path I was going down you know that it could become not good and it was like time to go home Emily for some reason I never lost that connective thread right other than this one experience in New Orleans right so you know I don't know what that is or why that is maybe it's just like a really stubborn mental state that I persistently have Right. Or maybe, you know, a lot of the ways that I felt on drugs were not very different than ways that I felt when I was a kid. Right. So this is terrain that I had lots of experience traversing and moving around in and whatnot. And so I was able to stay reasonably well oriented, you know, so long as I stayed within the chemicals that I had experience with. Right. So I don't know. Um, I'm not excusing any of my choices or behavior, but most of the things that occurred to me or that I saw or that I experienced during those times, like we have evidence for there being a lot of merit to some of that stuff that is considered woo woo. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, um, so, so there was that, right. So I, when I saw project power, I was like, well, that's really interesting. I did have that one weird, really super like out of my normal state experience there. And then I watched day shift last year which I was really not wanting to watch, but Jeff made me watch it, right? And the fucking crazy shit about, like, it, 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 it was shot in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, which is where I grew up. And all the places that he was like, do you remember, the, did you see the day shift one? No, I haven't watched it. I, I, I wrote it down. Like the bureau where they fight, like, the vampires that are running Los Angeles was like literally in the shopping center next to like the first apartment building I ever did drugs in where all of this stuff sort of started for me, right? And all the locations that they went to in this 
movie were places that I talked about that I think there's something weird going on there. Like I've, you know, over the years in shows. So when Jeff saw it, he's like, Emily, you have to watch this. It's like the way that you describe the kind of people that are in these places or that places or the things that go on there. Like the whole thing is that basically. Right. So there was that one. And then there was they clone Tyrone and they clone Tyrone. Like, first of all, some of your descriptions of it were very good, both right now and some of the things you were talking about last night, but if you go back and listen to some of the early shows that I did with Randy, Randy Moggins, and when I was on with other people in the early years in 2016 and 2017, I used to talk about how I was very certain that there were, quote, cloning centers and laboratories under the places where I was going to warehouse parties, right? <laughs> and I would Were describe, you on substances, though, while thinking? Sometimes this? yes and sometimes no, right? But it was a feeling that I had when I was there, right? And one of the reasons I said that was because, like, there would be some weird characters there. There would be some characters that <laughs> didn't quite, it was like, one of these things is not quite like the other, right? There was, like, something, it felt like there was cloning centers or some sort of experimental laboratory underneath the ground where they were either creating people or experimenting on people. And then they would send these people up to the party to interact with the party goers there to see if people noticed that there were people that were not people there, right? Because if somebody notices something weird, well, this is a rave or a warehouse party and lots of people are on drugs, so you're never going to convince anyone of that. But I would see like these weird people who would like, they would get unnaturally close to me and not in the way that like a creepy guy who like, you know, is trying to ask for your number or whatever does. They would, it's like there wasn't a sense of like normal boundaries between people. And then I would also see people who were like <clears throat> trying to synchronize themselves with my dancing, right? Like it was like they were trying to figure out how to do it, <laughs> but not in a way that was just like, oh, I like the way she dances. Like I want to, I want to know. I want like, uh, uh, what is a dance battle? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that happens sometimes too and some of those people are you know people but just you know whatever i don't like that per se but i know that that's a big part of the culture is dance battles that's this motherfucker different. wants to go i'm about to break it down for this fool and you just start like really? <laughs> <laughs> right this was different than that and then also like sometimes when i would be in the process of having like transcendent type of experience for myself like or like an enlightened moment a magical moment this like weird, I used to call them boundary guards would show up and like plant themselves in my line of sight so that like I couldn't not see them. And it was almost like they were there to observe, either observe the moment or to not let the moment kind of happen, but not really be rude about it or anything like that. Right. Um, but you know, I always had this feeling and I've had some very strange experiences at parties. I had this one experience that I've talked about a couple of times before about this party I went to that had a hole in the wall and people were disappearing <laughs> into the hole in the wall. And when they came out, they looked like they had had something happen to them. Didn't we call it the, the glory hole of reality or something like that last time you talked to me about that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Right. But but the, the way, when I think, when you think about they clone Tyrone, right? The, this guy, remember I told you, this guy was holding up this thing that was like blocking the hole, but anybody who wanted to go in the hole would be allowed. And remember, and they clone Tyrone, no, they were never stopped from breaking into one of these yeah. underground laboratories, 
right? There would be things that made them think maybe I shouldn't go in there or whatever, but if they wanted to go, they were allowed to go, right? That's how it always was in, in sort of this kind of circumstance. But a lot of the people that went into the hole and came out, like there's this one girl, like I used to, I was friends with her. I knew her for a long time. And ever since she came out that hole, it didn't seem like the same person to me. She doesn't look me in the eye anymore, right? Like it's weird. Like we used to have conversations and now like it's lucky if I get like a sentence or a word from her. Oh, he's polite. Oh, he says hello, right? But it was like after that moment, it's like bizarre, right? So, and, you, and it was a straight, go ahead. Have you finished Genuflect? No, it's still, it's still sitting there in the same, in the same spot. <laughs> All right, just finish that book and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> All right, so, so I've had that experience, but the other experience I've had at parties was that people claiming that they saw me at parties that I knew that I wasn't at, right? Like, I remember like this shit coming up to me at a party and it was the first party I'd been to in like a year. Cause it was like during the time that I got clean, I clean, clean off of drugs. I didn't go to parties for a while. Right. So the first party I went to, I hadn't been to a party in probably like eight months, maybe, maybe a little bit longer than that. Right. She came up to me and was t- telling me about, Oh, it's cool to see you again. I saw you last weekend. I love the way you dance and da 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 da. da and, right. And, and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You, <laughs> she was very insistent. It was, she was like, you were wearing the same thing. You can dance the same, right? And then I've had this enough times, but the, I remember like that was the, because I was, it had happened before, but because I was very sober-minded at this point and very sure that I hadn't been to a party in a really long time, like I felt more confident in my, you know, no, like I wasn't there a hundred percent, right? So that, and then I also sometimes have had experiences where it felt like I was seeing someone that looked like me right? Uh, Maybe they looked almost like me or like a kind of more masculine version of me or something like that, right? But it would be one of these things that like played with my head the whole night, right? And the environments are very, you know, they're not that different looking than what the underground laboratory looked like in They Clone Tyrone, right? Um, I'm very certain, and I've talked about this for years, that there's lots of experiments of different types going on in the party scene in downtown Los Angeles and many other cities. But I think that what they're showing in They Clone Tyrone is pretty close to the truth about reality, right? There's a different sauce for different groups that they're experimenting on. You've got your party people. You've got your... Like, what would be the similar... What would be the the similar thing between well the guy at the end even says it that there's like certain genes that relate and they're trying to like put them all together i think he says there's like there's like i'm paraphrasing like 300 something genes that relate everyone together and they're just trying to fine-tune it which i mean you know that that again that movie dropped so many things I, i was like okay this is crazy but again it's not nothing that we didn't already know right i mean we know that they're doing this stuff and they just solidify it with this weird. What are the thing? What are those things called? The real life augmented reality games, where it's like it's almost like that. It's almost like a, a extended reality. Yeah, like augmented ARGs. Is augmented, it? Yeah, yeah. ARGs and RPGs and extended reality and mixed and mixed media and especially mm-hmm. like a lot of parties. There's very very intricate visual shows going on 
right? 3D holographic. Those, you know, the new ones are crazy too. looking. I've seen crazy. them like they coming out at you. Underground for a long time, right? The stuff that you guys are seeing now up here, we've been seeing down there for a long time. The other thing that they clone Tyrone reminds me of is um, the other thing I was going to say was that what 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 the similarity between like the hood. Right, the scene that the, the the group that was being you know focused in on in this uh, movie and underground party scene is like drugs in 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 neighborhoods that are kind of sketchy that have like a lot of locations that most people wouldn't want to go into, so you could hide a lot of things there. Oh, this just looks like a crack house. That's a great place mm -hmm. to hide, you know, an entrance to a deep underground. Uh, bass or, or whatever it is, right? And there's lots of noise going on up top, loud music, different kinds of things. Um, but the movie also reminded me of Dark City. Have you seen Dark City? I've not seen Dark City. I always start, I always start OA or AO and I never finish it. And I always tell you I'm going to watch it and I never do. So please and there's me. a, there's a, there's a connective, there's a piece of connective tissue. And that is the, the character of Kiefer Sutherland who plays basically the same role in they clone Tyrone that he plays in Dark City. Interesting. And and so to touch on what you were saying a little bit earlier, where like somebody would mimic your movements all that's a sort of way of sympathetically, magically linking themselves to you in some sort of weird way. So by them mimicking you at right, the law of correspondence, they're able to sort of take over then obviously I had asked you where New Orleans was because I just I posted a clip today of an episode I did of Louisiana, like the werewolves in Louisiana, and how, how some weird stuff happens in Louisiana. And again, it's got to do with the whole history of it. Yep. And the the you know, the black magic that they do there and all these things. And then you have Crowley, Louisiana, which is uh, people have told me it's a really weird place. You got Al Alistair Crowley, right? The the great B six six six. So it just I thought about that when when you were talking about this guy was trying to mimic you or whatever it was, maybe to link himself to you. And I don't know. I mean, do stuff. Who who knows? But it seemed to me like sometimes what I was watching was like a coordination practice. Right. Like people were trying to figure out like how to move, like to become more coordinated. Like an altered carbon. Yeah, I've seen a few episodes of Altered Carbon, but like one of the problems that they have had, I think, with, with clones and replicas and all that kind of stuff is fidelity, right? And mm -hmm. so if you have a person like, I have a specific dance style. So if you're working on an Emily clone, if somebody like has watched me dance enough that, and, and like maybe I have a style that, that they like or something, if there's someone that looks like me, but is like not really moving like that, that's going to be a giveaway. Right. That, you know, and what you said about sympathetic magic is real. Like mm -hmm. if they have created copies, generally they're probably working from some genetic sample, which a party is a great place to get it because people drink a water bottle and then they throw it away. They go and potty in the Andy gump. They do all kinds. There's plenty of opportunities for collecting genetic samples. Right. But you're, you're definitely connected to anything that is made from your DNA or from your genes. That's why homunculus still connected to our offspring or our parents or our distant relatives or the twin. We don't know that we have or whatnot. The other thing is there's a lot of bumping into people that goes on at parties. And like sometimes you get bumped into in a way that doesn't feel natural or normal. 
But you remember that um, when they were doing that thing called bump technologies with phones, where like you could tap your tap your phone to another yeah. phone and share files. Like I think that some of the bumping into each other is to sort of create a connection so that there can be a back and forth of information that is kind of like being linked up to the same network, right? Yeah, I had a story somebody told me where they stopped by this this metaphysical store. I forgot what he called it. And the guy in there, I guess it was like a witch doctor or something. He only touched the guy's arm and was able to know like things that he wouldn't have otherwise been able to know. And the idea, so altered carbon, learning movements. And then you mentioned something earlier about a doppelganger. And what is the, I've, there, you know, we hear stories of this, of twins have gotten split up at birth, but even twins kind of sort of still, you can tell them apart, but. What would that do to a person? Because in altered carbon, you're not supposed to look in the mirror as, as soon as you're done, right? Transferring your consciousness to the new vessel. But what does that do to a person? Because, you know, for the first time he sees his clone, he kind of freaks out and has like this, like, it's almost like breaking his reality. What does that do to a person? If you, for a fact, see your clone, does that do something to you where it breaks you? And, you know, there's no coming back from that. Like, what does that even do to a person? I know there's been doppelganger stories throughout history. But how would that even make you feel if you saw somebody who looked like in the whole Back to the Future, how they can interact with their person in the future or the past or wherever it is, because it would break space and time. Is that kind of sort of the same thing when it comes to like a clone? Like, are you supposed to interact with it? Are you supposed to go towards it? Or like, what are we supposed to do? And does a clone know that they're a clone? Well, they all, these are all good questions, right? So, okay, first of all, I think mirrors are very weird and not all mirrors are the same. Like the things that they used to make mirrors with in the past are not the same as what they make mirrors with now. There's different kinds of mirrors. There's something fascinating to look into called a Kozirev mirror that maybe um, yep. some type of transportation or dimensional travel type of device. And so I think if somebody looks into a mirror and sees a reality that is different than the one that they think that they're in, that can be just confusing, right? Have you ever had the experience of looking in the mirror and the person that's looking back at you doesn't look like what you thought you look like? Real quick, because before I forget, because you were talking about the like the uncanny value where something is going to give you off, right? Something something in your movement is going to give you off like, oh, you know that that's wrong. Like that show Love, Death and Robots, I think it's called on Netflix, where I had to focus and be like, is this CGI? Is this real? And what you just mentioned about the mirrors, well, I, I we covered this book, Man Thomas, about the... The Anesthetic Revelation, I think it's called by Benjamin Pablo. It's the only video on this book in existence because it's like this really obscure book. But it was weird. I remember you and I talking about it. That was the first time I ever listened to to, to Thomas. Did we talk about it where where he would he would understand like the deepest of deep philosophy at the peak of his high during his when he was getting high off of. I think it was nitrous, was it? <laughs> right? Not, yeah. I mean, have you ever done psychedelics? I've only ever done mushrooms one time, and, and I had a really bad trip, so. There is, in, in most psychedelic experiences that I've had of any strength, there's a moment where everything makes perfect sense. 
right? Where you can like see how it all fits together and how it all works, but it's very brief and very flighting. And the farther you get away from it, the harder it is to remember how, like you just got to grab as much information as you can while you're there, right? But yeah, like if you, especially if you were able to train yourself to stay in that moment for increasingly long periods of time, right? Then you, exactly what you're talking about. You could start to really think about and where, this is kind of what I've gotten into as I've gotten older. At this point, I've been to thousands of parties, right? Heard lots of good music, done lots of drugs and whatever. But when I find myself in a situation where I'm like this, the sound in here, the light in here, the shape of this room, the location of where the party's at, and this mental state that I'm in, either based on exhilaration from dancing or if I ate some mushrooms or something like that, is offering me a chance for some deep insight into something rather than just like, you know, observe the action that's going on in the room, which I do that sometimes, I will go back to that problem that Juan and I were trying to solve during the show that week, or that when I say Juan, it could be you or Michael Juan, or this topic that has Michael and I keep circling back to, because we've done over 200 shows together at this point. And this one thing that just is always there, I'll, I'll choose that time to sort of merge that into the experience I'm having and look at it from different angles, right? So I completely can understand that process that he's talking about. As far as for the doppelgangers, like, okay, like, I don't know, I don't know when this happens. Like, I think there's different things. I think there's clones or doppelgangers, but I think there's sometimes you have a moment where two realities have merged and you're seeing yourself in a mirror or a reflected world or in some other version of reality that is coming at you from a different angle and you just caught a glimpse and something about the reality construct that we're in is supposed to hide that. But if you're in a funny state one day or well, in that book, he, he contemplates that exactly. And that's what I meant to bring up where he stares into a mirror and he starts to ask the questions like, is that another reality in yes. itself? While, while again, blasted off of, Remember our so. conversations about the reflective buildings here in Austin and the seeing things at different angles. Like I'm starting to think that like the, the thing that we think of as angels are just our angles, right? So the, the reason Los Angeles is called Los Angeles is because there's the most angles there. So the, when light hits a particle, it creates one of these right angle, like, right? Like if there's a junction of, of, of sorts that happens and light hits on it, and it sort of sets an array, right? If you understand how to sort of tune into that magic, dependent on the, the, the coordinates and the conditions and the particle that may be reflecting, I actually think you can kind of get a peek into a different version of reality that exists right here, but at a different angle, right? And I think that's why all of the cinemagicians cinema and storytellers wanted to go to Hollywood because they understood that there was the most angles to view reality from there and the angles, Whoa. right? Okay. So, so I think there's a lot of different things going on. I've viewed myself in different ways. Like I've definitely seen things that look like myself, but not quite myself. Right. And, and, you know, I've had, like, I've even had experiences in my own body where I'm like, I don't feel like myself today. I feel like the brain is, the consciousness is Emily, but the body that I'm operating in today is not coordinated in the way that I normally feel, right? And it's different than like not feeling well or, or having an injury or something like that. It's like my body literally doesn't work the way it normally works. And then it passes and, you know, the next day it's normal again, but it feels so different. It's like, it's like if you suddenly woke up in like a person who didn't know how to do things that you did or that was fat 
or that like was never an athlete. And so when you try to jump, you can't like what happens in dreams where you like are trying to do shit and you're like falling all over the place. Right. I've had those experiences waking, but I had this one weird experience in Los Angeles at the shopping center called the Topanga Plaza. Right. Which is in, in, in an interesting location for sure. Um, it backs up against the same area that I talk about frequently in Chatsworth and, and along that Valley circle area. I was going down an escalator and you know how like when you're going down some escalators, the wall is like a mirror, like you can see your reflection. Okay. And then on the other side, the escalator was going up, right? There was a girl coming up the escalator that looked exactly like me. And it was so confusing because I thought I was seeing myself in the reflective mirror, but she looked at me and I looked at her, right? And the mirror was like down here. It wasn't up here where I saw her. She looked exactly like me and she stared me right in the eyes and went on the other way. I was probably 18 or 19 at this point and not really into all these things that we talk about now, but this was a pivotal moment for me because I was like, what the fuck was that? That was not a girl that looked like me. That was like literally me. That was like another me, right? It wasn't, oh my God, that's weird. We look alike. It was like, how am I approaching myself from the other direction kind of thing, right? So I had that. And then I had this other experience at a party um, that I used to go to called Absurd. And I loved Absurd because it was literally absurd. Like all kinds of weird shit happened there. But this particular party was in this this room that was rounded. So the sound, if you go into like a perfect space for sound, there will be no sharp edge, like sharp corners. It'll all be rounded. And this room, it was like in a industrial warehouse area it looked like a weird like you know metal structure from the outside but you went inside and it was completely treated for sound and i you know and it was completely white inside there was no not no like gray cement or brick or dark stuff everything was white all around you and totally round um and it sounded really amazing in there but i had this really weird experience where like i looked over at one point and there was a person on the other side of the dance floor that looked like a male version of me right he was wearing the same outfit that I had on and he had his hair pulled back into a ponytail and he looked almost exactly like me but like maybe with a little five o'clock shadow or a little bit of sideburns or something like that right and I kept trying to go over to where he was to get a better look but every time I walked over to where he was standing he would walk over to where I had just come from and this went on like all night right and the, the the like the DJ was like this guy's name Nathan Coles and it's sad he recently passed away he took his own life but he was an amazing DJ and he was playing this track that was like had a vocal talking about like some shit from Alice in Wonderland about like eating the pill that you just found on the floor that said eat me right and what was <laughs> what is weird is like when that sound came on I looked down and there was a pill on the floor I didn't eat it there was like a pill on the floor right in front of me but when it said eat me like I had this weird feeling where like the two, this one over here and me like went together and landed back in my body. And then that person was gone and I didn't see them the rest of the night. So I don't know if I was just, we talked earlier on text about the androgyne, about androgyny. Like the I don't know yeah. if I was just viewing the more masculine version of myself, I'm kind of masculine for a woman anyway, but this version was like more masculine than I generally see myself. Right. But it was weird, like right in the moment where like the music and the reality kind of came together, it was like the weirdest thing. It was like almost like I had been out of my body and I came back in, 
or something. And then that person was gone. I didn't see him the rest of the night. But I remember exactly what I and he was wearing. And there was no time when we were able to be on the same side of the dance floor. So you think about like the hemispheres Mm -hmm. of the brain and the right, left, and the more masculine and the more feminine or something. It was almost like I was experiencing externalization of the different parts of my mind or consciousness, but I was seeing it as two separate or feeling it as like, this person is me. And this is another thing over here that is like the male version of me. Very Uh, weird. I'm I'm thinking right now, because like, what if just thinking outside the box, we're talking about you're talking about the the warping of frequencies and all this stuff. You have the idea of the dark self as well. Yet mm-hmm. Carl Jung was into alchemy a lot. And the idea of what if perhaps we project these things out in some sort of way and it becomes into it, it manifests itself maybe for a small period of time. You know, they've talked about the ethereal body. I've also heard in theosophy where you're you have an a, like a silver umbilical cord or something you know you're pretty much pulling around like this little astral homunculus of yourself and like what what if that perhaps is what's happening where you're projecting these things out you're in that state of mind the frequency you're being bombarded with all these uh, tempos and sounds and i don't know maybe it did something because in the movie they clone tyrone every everyone gets activated they have that special playlist at the bottom like well this is the astral homunculus doppelganger of playlists and they just boom they switch it on and everyone it's like in you know when at the beginning when the guy was asking you like hey how how are these things and i was gonna say is it like the movie blade you know where where they're like it's the music the sounds but then everybody's a freaking vampire and then you see their teeth and then that one normal guy just he gets killed (laughs) (laughs) is it like that is like you know what i mean like all these movies they've shown us this but it's like we don't i've never been to a party like that but I'm not a big party guy. I'm more of like a hermit. Um, uh, I was at this party like when I first got back to Austin in 2021. I moved back here, 2021, right? Like one of the first parties that I went to, um, it was in this area of town where like all the good parties I used to go to when I lived here like 20 years ago was, right? And it was weird. Like all night I was seeing people like who I had known 20 years ago. And it was like, they were, they looked exactly the same and they were doing all the same ridiculous shit that they were always doing and whatnot. So it was almost like whatever this location was, like was sort of superimposed on, on the year 2000. It was very weird. Right. And there was this thing, there's this, the way this structure was, it had something on the the ceiling that I have identified, it's basically something like this that creates a certain array around it. And I see this at certain places that I think have interesting properties. Um, But I ate a little bit of mushrooms that night, right? Like not enough for a full trip, but like just enough to make things a little bit weird. And it was the fucking weirdest thing. Like some people suddenly looked like they had like pointed ears. Other people looked like, was that movie that... um, Will Smith was in, I think it was on Netflix where he was like, uh, I forget what it's called. It was like light. It was like something light, light, bright. It was called bright. I think bright. R.I.P.D. Where he is the, the like, no, uh... I think it was called bright. I think it was a movie with, but he, there's this, these weird, like gangster people that go to underground parties that look sort of like ogres or monsters. Like I was seeing people that look like that. Right. It was weird. It was like, I could see people's alternate selves just like a little bit out of the corner of my eye, but it was, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of bizarre. Um, yeah. This it, one right here. Yeah, I was mixing it up with R R I P D, but yeah. 
there was like one of those guys that like looked like a gang member. Like he had on like a jersey and, and long shorts. And yeah, some of those guys, like I swear to God, suddenly this guy who'd been dancing in the corner all night, like he looked like that or whatever. So like, I don't know, like it was like superimposed, right? You know, so I have these experiences and like I both like give weight to them and don't give too much weight to them. That's where I'm like, fuck this shit, I'm out. And then I was just like, because, you know, another one of these aspects is, another one of these aspects is like, you have these entities too that will, like one of my favorite movies is The Thing and the concept of The Thing where you don't know who it is. Everyone's on edge. Like at the beginning you were saying, why is Of course you like The Thing. Of course you do. they're They're all actors. Why are they all wearing the same, like, you know, like everyone's like standing off. It's like that. That Spider-Man meme where they're pointing all at each other and it's like three of them or whatever. And it's like the that concept of you might be confronted with a like a dark self. So the thing will take and look like you before it consumes you, right? So like to touch on what we've been talking about where they take a little bit of you to become you. So the thing takes a, a part of you and it becomes you. Well, I'm just... I'm just Thinking of like the skinwalker where where it'll mimic somebody you might know or a person to call for help. You know, like like these darker aspects, the trickster aspect to kind of sort of lure you in. Yep. Uh, and then what happens when you get lured in? Like you're you're not gonna be here for much longer once you're lured in, but it's like it takes the familiar what I'm saying is it takes the familiar and it and it drags you, you know, like it pulls you in, it lures you in, and like there's also that that trist that trickster mm-hmm. act aspect of this whole thing as well, you know? Like, what if those things that you were seeing were actually maybe, like, demonic entities or something and they were trying to trick you for... I, I don't know. I'm just thinking I mean, outside the box. there was no interaction happening, right? The only, Like, I had this weird experience with this guy that same night where he came up to me. He's like... He touched me on the shoulder. He's like, hey, do you want to leave with me? And I was like, yeah, no. And he was like, why not, dude? And I was like, Cause it, no, but that was the weirdest interaction I had. Everything else was just like observational. Nobody else was bothering me or anything like that, right? Um, but what you were saying about mimicry, like, I don't expect, you've heard of the tennis player Novak Djokovic, right? Yeah. Okay, so like, at this point, he's the greatest tennis player, maybe the greatest competitor, or athlete that that has ever lived. But one of the things he did when he was younger that some people loved about him and some people hated about him, which helped set up this like role that he seems to play as like some kind of villain or like, you know, the ones that everybody loves to hate and systems against him is he used to do these amazing impressions of the other tennis players. They're so (laughs) fun. He would imitate Nadal and Roddick and Sharapova and the audience loved him. And some of the players were okay with it, but after a while it started pissing people off. Right. But fast forward all these years later, right, how he has been able to topple everyone in the game probably comes down to that same ability that allowed him to so perfectly mimic them at times. Right. You know, he he can get into sort of beating somebody at their own game if you understand how it is played. Right. Um, So to your point about the mimicry to lure you in. Right. Um, at this point, he's eaten everybody for lunch at some point, um, you know, which is probably just a sign of an intelligent, intelligent chess player, or mm-hmm. one of the greatest athletes that ever lived. But his name is literally Novak Djokovic. They call him the Joker. His name has a joke in it. Right. So he's he's playing the part of that thing, that trickster you were talking the Joker, about. Yeah. In the beginning. 
he's the Joker, right? Mm. And, and that's a, there's always a big debate about like, you know, what role he's playing, which side is he on? Is he, you know what I mean? <laughs> kind of thing. So um, all these things are, you know, are possibilities. But I will say that that one in the shopping center was very unusual because of the time in my life that it happened. And then I also had this one time where I like looked in the mirror and what I saw looking back at me was not what I expected to see. And that was quite disorienting. Have you ever had that experience? And I don't mean like I looked ugly or I looked fat or something like that. I mean, I literally for a moment did not recognize the person I was seeing in the mirror. It was I've, had, like, I've had it happen before. Yeah. Like every, yeah. yeah. But uh, maybe it's like a bad angle, you know, <laughs> get, my, get my triple chin in there sometimes, you know, my double chin. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about though. I'm not talking about when it's like, wow, do I really look like that? that I, I've looked in the mirror on mushrooms like that one time that I did. I did look at my, they, they say not to do that, but I didn't, I didn't see anything weird. Like I didn't see anything like off, yeah. you know? Was, yeah. No, this was, I was just at work one day and I went in the bathroom and like, it was just incredibly disconcerting because like what came back at me didn't feel like anything that I was connected to for just a second. And then it was like, I kind of got reoriented and everything was fine. It was during a very tumultuous time in my life. Like one of the like first, it was like early on in my drug career. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so, you know, I, some of those experiences though, like were some of the first clues for me right? That reality isn't what we think it is. And I don't ever encourage people to do drugs. Everyone has their own path. A lot of the choices I made, I wouldn't make again, but I'm not in hindsight upset that I made them because I had the experiences I had. But there is many other worlds that exist right here with us, right? And when you do drugs, particularly if you're a person who is very attentive to detail or like really like when you notice something interesting is going on with your senses really tunes into that right a lot of this um information that we think of as being occult or esoteric or accessible only to certain groups of people with ancient books or this that and the other thing like it's right there but most people don't recognize it because they think that they're fucked up and having a drug experience rather than they're just getting a glimpse into another way of perceiving reality. So they're not paying attention in the same way you would if you were granted an hour with the most occult book collection that you, that you know exists, right? And that's why we have to stop these interdimensional crackheads from attaining this knowledge, Emily, because if not, then... <laughs> Too late, too late, right? This interdimensional crackhead has already peaked a few of the good books, right? Too oh, late. Man. Yeah, no, definitely. This is a really interesting conversation because the, one of the movies that I love is, and I'm sure you and I have talked about it before, is, is Fight Club. And it's like mm -hmm. that entire movie, again, speaking of like projections of your subconscious wanting to be something else and maybe perhaps either manifesting it like another version of you it's a part of you but it's just a different perspective or angle right that we're looking at it from and it, that whole movie it's like at the end it always blows my mind like whoa it was him the whole time it was just like this avatar that he was able to project outward and and like he was manip like what in the world? Like that movie is always like every time I watch it, always it psychs me. I'm like, whoa, that that was crazy, and it's like that. Like, 
sometimes I think that of that aspect of reality of of maybe how many times in life have we interacted with our, with our own selves like this holographic right. doppelganger yeah. you know like like that was you that wasn't it might have seemed like an NPC but no that was you <laughs> there, there's a lot of interesting characters in Fight Club um, Fight Club is one of the only things that the movie was better than the book, in my opinion. Usually I like books better than movies, but that one, I think the movie was better than, than the book. Um, I, I, you know, I, I read, I did read the book. There's a lot of interesting characters in that movie. And each time I watched the movie, I developed respect for another character that I didn't see how interesting they were the last time. But the, by far the most interesting character to me in that film is uh, Helena Bonham Carter, right? The, you know, Marla. She did Sweeney Todd, right? With Johnny Depp. She's, I mean, she's in, she's married to Tim Burton. So she's in all of his, all oh, of that, right? yeah. and mostly she's mostly famous for doing period pieces, which I don't like, but she's been in a few oddities, you know, she does like all those old British, like playing some British woman from the 1800s or that kind of shit. She's mm. like a, you know, very famous award. She's like, she's not beautiful but she's like not ugly you know what i'm saying like she's like an nb2 well she's, she's she's fascinating right she's one of these people that has like a je ne sais quoi where you're like i don't know exactly what i'm looking at but i'm kind of fascinated and it's there's something very appealing about it when she's in that movie she plays like an absolute strung out crackhead but yeah. still there's something about her that's kind of hot it's like what the fuck is this but she's the only character in the movie that is like not confused really. She's confused by everyone's behavior, right? But all of the other people don't- She knows the truth though. She, she knows. knows what's going on, right? And and so this is sometimes like, there are some, some of these people that exist that can do all of these fucking drugs that make everybody else cuckoo, but kind of maintain their own connection to themselves and what's going on. And, and I can relate to that character, right? And I've met a few other people like this you know, in my drug doing times that like are, you know, maybe we're fucked up, but like we're paying attention and completely with it at every moment that we're, we're fucked up. Like we're, mm -hmm. we're doing recon. We're like, you know, we're, 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 we're taking notes on everything that's sort of happening. And, um, you know, the people who appear to be nor more normal around us are really confused <laughs> as to what reality is. Right. Um, if there's a picture of her, like in some dress, like if, you know, there's like one particular set of scenes in the movie where she's like running around in this crazy dress and just seems like the craziest chick ever, but like she is dropping the knowledge, right? <laughs> About how it all works. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right? Gonna rewatch um, this movie again. Yeah, it's a great movie. And she's like, she's, I think she's, she's the most underrated character in the fucking movie. Like, who cares about that? She's a, such a like interesting looking person. And she, I think she was perfect in Alice in Wonderland because yep. her, she's like, she is like a caricature. Like, she is, she looks like a cartoon character. So I think she when she, have moments where she looks really beautiful. Yes. She looks demonic or like some sort of weird, like creepy clown or something like that. Right. Um, before we wrap up, there's two things I want to make sure. Yeah, it's creepy as all hell, right? It's like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? <laughs> and all of those characters exist inside of her. She's a fascinating, a fascinating um, person. And I used to know a drag queen in Los Angeles. See, but she looks good there. She looks really nice there. I used to know a drag queen in Los Angeles who called himself Hell of a Bottom Carter. <laughs> there's the dick joke, right, for the, for the show. Um Okay, so there's two, there is something like, okay. 
Well, I just it just went completely flying out. My there was something you said a second ago. She's gonna drop that dick joke. That's on you, bro. Right? Yeah. Right. That made me made me think about something that I wanted to say, and now it's completely gone. You Shit. said I wanted to solidify something before there we went. There were two things that I wanted to to say, and now I can't remember what either of them were. You said something right before when we were talking about Helen. Oh, I know. You talked earlier about the different. Um, the different roles that actors play in different movies and how they're mm -hmm. connected. I think this is really important. This is something Jeff and I have talked about several times over the years on our Friday morning dumps and conspiracy cocktails. If you look at the roles that specific actors, not all actors are like this, like not all actors are in on the evil, ha ha ha, whatever the fuck it is. Right. You know, there's lots of different things going on. But some actors, if you go and look at their entire filmography and all the characters they play, there's a distinct separate story that is being told about through the arc of their career that is almost like the different steps of initiation in masonry or other secret societies or even in just like what we think of as like uh, rites of passage kind of thing, right? Um, and there's different sort of different paths for different people, but like two of the people that I find it the most interesting to look at the overall picture of their career, like, okay, the, they've been in a lot of interesting and good movies and we understand they're famous for this, that, and the other thing. But if you look at the arc of their career, there's like a secondary story that maybe is the primary story that they're trying to tell. Right. And those two people that are two of my favorites to look at, though we do this with a lot of the actors, but the two that I have most focused in on are Val Kilmer and Bruce Willis. And what's interesting is both of them have now lost their ability to communicate in a way that people are able to really interact with them. If you look at the arc of Val Kilmer's career and the characters that he's chosen to play and the stories he's chosen to participate in telling, he, there's something that he's trying to say. And when he got to sort of an end point of that arc, and had something very specific he wanted to say, they suddenly took his voice from him. And there's an interesting documentary about him. I think it's on Prime, right? It's very hard to listen to him now, right? He has something wrong with his vocal cords. Um, but one of, the, one of the really interesting roles that he played amongst many that didn't get as much attention a lot of his, as a lot of his other roles was uh, his role in the movie The Sultan Sea, right? Um, it's quite an interesting look at drug culture and, you know, the many different roles a person can play in that scene. Um, he's also been in an interesting movie about cold fusion called The Saint. Um, he's, you know, he's been in lots of, he, he played, uh, you know, Jim Morrison in The Door. He's been in tons of interesting movies. But he played start, Moses and God and the Prince of Egypt. <laughs> right? He's been, he's been in all kinds of interesting stuff. Um, and then Bruce Willis also, like Bruce Willis is, both of these are pe people that Michael and I continually roll back to when we're, you know, laying out our synchromysticism. Bruce Willis has been in a lot of really interesting, oh, Val Kilmer's from Chatsworth, which is where I grew up, right? Um, he grew up in exactly the same area, went to the same school as I did. Um, and then Bruce Willis is another one who also can't speak now because he has a form of, I think it's called aphasia. He has a form of like dementia or brain degeneration that makes it hard for him to translate his thoughts into words so he can't really speak anymore even though he's like consciously with it right it's like a different kind of dementia 
but I had this really weird experience with Bruce Willis at a restaurant that I worked at, right? That like almost feels like he was trying to tip me off, like give me a clue about how to start deciphering this reality on some level. Like I didn't know this when I had this interaction with him, but Michael and I refer back to it several times. If you look at the movies he's chosen to be in, right? And some of the topics that have been covered in them and then things that have happened in our reality, right? And, and, and whatnot. He's an interesting character as well. But you can do this with a lot of actors, not just um, big celebrities. There's also a lot of sort of secondary actors. One of them is uh, Rufus Sewell, right? Where if you look at the arc of his career, it's like, wow, what is going on here? Um, we did a whole, I think we did a couple of episodes on Rufus, on who is Rufus Sewell. Um, so I think if we looked at some of these people's careers as, you know, um, right, steps of initiation, right? But also like a second, maybe they're agreeing to tell this front story because it allows them in the background to tell the secondary story that is only there for people with the eyes to see and the ears to hear, right? Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's alchemy. I mean, they're there. It's hundred percent steganography. They're hiding it in plain steganography, sight. Right. There's all kinds of steganography happening with shows, movies, you know, all kinds of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, I did a show with Nish recently where we kind of figured out that, Oh, like fringe was kind of like created some steganography to encode the idea of the cozy rev mirror that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. one way to perceive it. There's another show that uh, has been on in recent years called Manifest that is like mostly a terrible show with horrible acting. Um, But if you've been paying attention to some of the streams of reality that come from um, think tanks and groups of people that are not the ones that we're directed to pay attention to when we're looking for things suspicious, like it seems like it's uh, encoding, it's acting as like a steganography, you know, kind of for, for some of these ideas related to Santa Fe Institute and the Lifeboat Foundation that Danny and I have covered a lot in our shows. lots You can do this with lots of things. Like those are just the ones that I've sort of focused on. Um, but if you look at some of the actors, some of them have like color-coded careers or numerically coded careers or careers that are based on location. And I don't just mean like, oh yes, the movie set is at this location, right? Like the amount of um, import that Philadelphia has had in Bruce Willis's career and, and right and, and and things like that, like there's just different different ways you can look at it. There's different angles to observe things from, and when you look from a different angle or when you let the light sort of hit the information differently, you see this whole secondary or tertiary reality that isn't at all what you would think just based on the way that they're portrayed in our mainstream narrative-driven version of reality. Yeah, that's why I call it the holographic doppelganger because, again, it's like a hologram when you pick you pick up the card and you flip it around. There's different versions of it, right? So, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. You synchro mystically kind of align all the movies and everything. You can start to see a story unfold. And I think that's part of it because when you look at any character, any Hollywood movie character, it's created by so-and-so, created by, and they serve that one purpose. And then after that, they still exist in that movie, right? They still exist in that universe. They're just played over and over and over again. So no, that's a, that's a really interesting. And every concept. once in a while, an actor ends up in a movie where they're actually explaining exactly what is happening with them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So like one of these is the, um, 
Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus with Heath Ledger. Like, I think that was literally letting everybody know what was happening with this person, that this person had just achieved, quote unquote, ascension and was climbing the rea- climbing the ladder out of this reality into the next, right, type of thing. If you watch that movie, it's, it's a pretty weird movie. Um, and then, uh, like, if you look at Bruce Willis in The uh, Monkeys, right, The Twelve Monkeys, that's a pretty interesting movie. Monkey Bone was one of my favorite movies growing up, so I'm going to have to check this out. Another movie. He's been in a couple of uh, similarly similar movies that are, you know, that not that different. He was in one called um, Looper, mm. right? Did you ever see Looper? Is that the one where they can time travel back and forth, 2012? He's in, he's in tons of movies about time travel and extrasensory perception and, you know. Yeah, I've seen this. Yeah. All that. He's uh, Fifth Element is another one. That he's in all Oof. of these movies. Right. When you think of Bruce Willis, your first thoughts are like, oh, he was the doofus on Moonlighting. Right. Um, you know, but if you start to dig into what like the Moonlighting Detective Agency was and how he got involved in some of his early projects and his early, he's a fascinating character. He's fascinating. Right. So, and, and he also um, can't talk now. He and Val Kilmer can't talk. And I think they're like, uh, when we look back in hindsight, even though they were never like as famous as your, like Brad Pitt or Johnny Depp or, or whatever it was like, they didn't ascend to like quite that level of heart throbbery or, or big, whatever, like they were actually telling a story that on many levels was much more important or much more true to the reality we're living in or the realities we're living in. And with that said, Emily, do you have anything that you want to end with that is true to our reality? (laughs) (laughs) Our realities. I only say true things, Juan. <laughs> no, um, no, I, uh, I, um, I'm gonna I plug your like, stuff. I didn't ask you at the beginning, by the way. Sorry, forgot oh, to ask I, you. I forgot that I even have stuff, right? Like, I just, <laughs> um, yeah. If people like to hear me, like you know, ramble on, they can find me uh, patreon.com forward slash off planet media uh, locals dot. Uh, sorry, Emily Moyer dot local. Yeah, Emily I also have locals pages for Project Kids and Words Podcast with Danny Katz. Um, I'm on rockfin.com forward slash Emily Moyer. My website, emilysamoyer.com. I occasionally put full length things on YouTube, but not very often anymore. Mostly just clips. I do occasional live streams there. I've decided YouTube is not really a good use of my time and energy. Um, but there's a lot, you know, I'm just, I'm talking all the time. So if you're moderately amused by this and feel like joining in, then <laughs> I'm about to start a series that I'm super excited about. Um, on so with the glass bead game, I'm going to um, elements. We're going to start. Uh, mm. un- we're going to start doing deep dives on each element of the periodic table. That is where my pursuit of the glass bead game has led me. Um, so that's. I'm, I think it's probably going to take at least a year to get through them all. Um, but I feel like um, a lot of us with like big ideas about what we think we know about things <laughs> right? don't actually know much and i like i think it's possible that like what we were supposed to learn in elementary school was about the elements on the periodic table and somehow that was mostly skipped over except for two or three of them and we've been you know inundated with all of this information about other stuff but we don't actually have any understanding about what reality is literally made of mm-hmm. <laughs> right the elements that have light pop off of them that generate these arrays and these dimensions that we can't access because we don't understand how it works. Right. So um, 
I'm going to do that with my friend Chris Miner, who who had been a participant in the glass bead game for a long time. And I think hopefully we'll have some participation from some of the other friends, including Benjamin Balderson, who's really well-informed on all of this stuff. I'd love for you to come play if there's an element or two that appeals to you and, um, and uh, other, 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 the, the person who really arsenic got... appeals to me. All right. So we'll, you'll, you'll be, you'll be arsenic. You'll be our arsenic man. 33. Yeah. Uh, Cheney was the one who really turned my attention to the elements and elementals in a way that it hadn't been before. So hopefully I can coax her into playing the glass feed game with me at some point and whatnot. So, so yeah, so that's what I got coming up and yeah. That's awesome. all. Thanks for having me, bud. Yeah, for sure. I always enjoy our conversations because they get crazy, but yeah, we, we literally had nothing to talk about today and this is like just whatever happened, happened. Jesus take the yeah. wheel and he took the wheel and he <laughs> almost drove us off a cliff. So a directed energy weapon. <laughs> Everyone make sure to go give Emily a follow on all her stuff, YouTube or her rockfin whatever all that stuff links whatever, down in dude, the description yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter you'll find me somewhere talking about something do the long Bye, wave guys. emily join Thank me in you. the long wave Bye. <laughs> all right i think it ended Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if you'll read the first question, certainly.